Thank you for checking out our podcast today. We hope that the teaching you're about to hear will inspire you and motivate you on your incredible journey in becoming a better you. So please turn your attention to today's message. On freedom, freedom in his love, freedom in his love. That's the, the theme for the month. Um, we have done three, uh, with, uh, today is going to be the third one, but there are three teachings on the topic of freedom. I want to encourage you, if you haven't done so already and you haven't heard the first two, please, please, please go back, go back and listen, and then listen again. Take notes, take notes, write down the scriptures, read those scriptures for yourself, grow for yourself. Don't let the pastor grow you, you grow you. Right, you grow you, and 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 so we want you to grow in this freedom. It is liberating to serve God in this freedom. When you know, when you learn this, good. Six people got that. Good, 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 good. But I, I, I it is my heart as your pastor. Uh, it is my heart that you learn this early on, early on in your walk, because the earlier you learn this, the earlier you learn this, the earlier you'll learn along the way, along the way, how to live free in every environment. In every environment. You're free in every environment. Last night, uh, we we got to celebrate with uh, Sergio and Rosita, uh, in Mariel's, Mariel's uh, quinceañera, and uh, where's Mariel? Mariel's not here. She's not here. She she the uh, Lord. Yeah, she she partied too much. Yeah, she had too much freedom. <laughs> and, and 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 where's Mateo? Same thing. Oh no, man. But but what a beautiful what a beautiful freedom and what a beautiful showmanship to see. Um, the families, everybody in freedom, having a good time and celebrating Sergio, celebrating Rosita as a community, as one people. It was beautiful. Black, white, Hispanics. It was just, it was a beautiful thing. Sergio, Rosita, thank you for inviting us into that time. Thank you very much. So I... I uh, I, I want to get right into today's word, and I want you to pray with me, and, um, and I want you to pay attention, take notes, really take notes, follow along, follow along, and I want you to grow in this experience. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. Bless this time. As you have already blessed in worship, you've already blessed, Lord, through the parking ministry, you've already blessed, Lord... Father, through the ushers and the greeters. Father, you have blessed us, Lord, through those that serve coffee and prepare water in the back, Lord. We we thank you for all of the blessings, Lord. We thank you for the worship team. We thank you for the musicians. We thank you for the MC, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for being here and receiving us, Lord, as we receive your presence. Speak to us this morning, Lord. May our hearts our ears be receptive to your word. Father, we block any sense of anxiety, panic, weariness. We put it all aside, Lord, and we right now surrender to you that you may speak into our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. 
I'm going to be focusing out of 2 Corinthians chapter 3. My focus is going to be verses 4 through 18. That's the focus. That's the crux of what we'll be talking about uh, uh, this morning. And, and so if you have a Bible with you or you have a Bible app, you can look through your phone and know that those are the scriptures that I will be speaking about. And that way you can, on your own, follow through and continue to read on your own, asking the Holy Spirit to guide and to teach you. So we're going to read verses uh, 4, and I want you to read with me. We are confident. We are confident. We are confident of all this because of our great trust in God through Christ. Now, of course, I'm going to um, dissect this and we're going to explain these verses as I go through this. But I want us to focus on that word confident. Confident. The uh, Oxford Dictionary defines the word confident to be optimistic, to be hopeful, to be sure, to be certain, positive, convinced in no doubt, unshakable in one's belief, to be secure in one's belief, easy in one's mind, satisfied, assured, persuaded, most importantly, to have no doubt. You know, for many believers, many Christians, they can't have certainty or confidence in their faith because their faith hinges on emotions, on feelings, on traditions, more importantly, on family traditions. Mom was, so I guess I am. Dad believed, so then I guess I believe. My family went to such and such church, so I'll go to such and such church. But the question this morning is, are you certain? Are you confident about your faith? Are you confident about your walk? Are you confident about your relationship with Jesus? Do you understand what Jesus affords you in the eyes of your heavenly father. Are you confident? Ask the person next to you, are you confident? Turn to the person behind you and say, hey man, you confident? Now listen carefully. I want you to listen carefully and I want you to listen with open hearts. I want you to listen intently. For further, for further depth into what I'm talking about, go into our introduction in the first part of this series. But for many slaves during the 1863 emancipation of slavery in our country, they weren't confident of their freedom. At the time of the emancipation, for approximately four to six million African Americans, 
that were enslaved against their will were now free, according to the presidential proclamation, but logistically free to what? There was no initial infrastructure in our country for the millions of free men, women, and children. Many men were only given the option to fight in wars. Or they were given subpar treatment, but they didn't have another choice in the matter. The only other option was to remain with now a disgruntled master as an employee. For the women, the African-American women, freedom meant that they were now left to fend for themselves in every which way. Women, to begin with, were of little value amongst men of that era to begin with. So newly freed African-American women had it tough. Freedom on paper wasn't as easy and it didn't come at an easy cost for the newly citizens of the very country that enslaved them. Confidence, somebody say confidence. Confidence, confidence wasn't instantaneous. It took decades of suffering, sacrifice, years of fight for freedom, true, for freedom to truly come to fruition. So the mindset of a newly freed slave isn't confident, isn't certain, isn't secure, optimistic. You are far from confident. You are confused. And the reason I bring this up is I want you to keep that imagery. I want you to keep this horrific reality in the mind just to give you perspective for many, many of the now free slaves. Being a slave is only the life they knew. For many, they were born into second generation and third generation of captivity. What does being free mean when you're born into it? When you don't know another life other than oppression and captivity? Well, Paul, in his writings, the Apostle Paul in his writings, he is writing to his churches. And he focuses his effort, his effort in building up the confidence of the followers by growing their understanding of their freedom in Jesus. You know, when Paul writes these letters in the New Testament, slavery was prominent. Slavery was a very common thing. It was a common practice in many of the cities and parts of the, of the country. It was just a common practice. So when he is writing and he uses this allegorical comparison he uses slavery because of what it meant and there is no sadder form of slavery than to be a slave and not having the capacity to comprehend what freedom even looks like for yourself because grandparents were slaves parents or slaves, siblings are slaves. All that I know is captivity. Slavery wasn't even slavery, it was just the norm. 
And Paul wants his churches to have a full understanding that freedom for us in Jesus, listen to this carefully, isn't progressive, doesn't come in stages, freedom doesn't come as a result of deeds and good deeds, freedom isn't earned. When Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, you and I immediately and instantly gain access into what freedom in Jesus is all about. And it happened instantly. Amen. Not because of anything that you did. Not because of anything that you and I can ever do to earn it. But because someone else paid a price and gives you the benefit. That deserves a praise. Unlike the Emancipation Proclamation by Abraham Lincoln, he, he wrote it into law, but true freedom for the African Americans came at a high cost to, every, to the very citizens that had been declared free. It cost years and decades and decades of suffering. Paul wants us to understand you pay nothing, but you gain Everything. Let me say that again. You pay nothing for this freedom, but you gain everything with this freedom. Amen. Instantly, at no cost to you. That deserves praise. Yes. Now, if we jump to verse 5 and on, I want you to read carefully with me. It is not that we think that we are... Listen, it is not that we think that we are to do anything on our own, our, our, our comes from, stop, from your prayer, from your fasting, from your giving. What does it come from? Where does it come from? It comes from the pastor, from the apostle, from the evangelist. It comes from where? God. God. Next. He has, he has enabled us to be. Whoa. What? What are we? What are we? Pablo. That's a minister right there. That's a minister right there. That's a Patty, you got to see that man as a minister. That's a minister right there. Minister to that woman right there. <laughs> <laughs> she said, I knew it was coming. <laughs> but we are ministers of his. His. You got to get excited. What kind of a covenant is it? What is it? What is it? You got to pay attention to this. Because if there's a new covenant, this means there was a. This is a covenant not of what kind of covenant this isn't? What? It's not of written laws, but of the come on, the what? You see that Dr. G, I stuck my foot of the spirit. <laughs> Listen carefully. 
the old covenant ends in death. But under, ¿qué pasó ahora? Okay, go. That was it. All right, so I have to start from the beginning. No, no, you don't want me to start again. Okay, okay, okay. But under the new covenant, what does the Spirit give? Do you know that Jesus comes to give life more abundantly? Your life in Jesus should not be a life that is sacrificed. It's a life that's in, in what? In abundance. Life in abundance. Look at my wife and, and we enjoy our life together because we have Jesus. Not because of a car or because of money or, or because of a house. No. We have Jesus because we have Jesus. Our life together is abundant. Beautiful. Next, the old way. The old way. If there was an old way, that means that now there is a new way. Are you following? Yes. The old way with laws that were etched in stone, they led to there was the penalty. There was the, there was there was wrath from God and judgment from God and condemnation from God. That was the relationship with the old covenant. Somebody say, thank God for Jesus. Thank God Jesus. Though it began with such glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' face, for his face shone with the glory of God. For his face shone with the glory of God, even though the brightness was already fading away. Next. Shouldn't we expect? Shouldn't we expect? Shouldn't we expect? Under the new way? Now that the the who is giving life. If the old way brings condemnation, and it was glorious, how, how much more glorious is the new way? What does the new way do? What does the new way do? See, the fading glory in Moses with the old covenant isn't permanent. Wasn't a permanent glory, but in the life-giving Holy Spirit, that glory is eternal. Is eternal. Old covenant wasn't meant to be permanent. The old covenant was just a forerunner for what was coming in the promise of Jesus. Verse nine, Pastor Jose. Did uh did uh Minister George get to the thermostat? No. No? Okay. I'll take that out right now. <laughs> Minister George comes in here and he'd be like, 
turn that down, turn this down. We're going to turn that down. Why? Because I'm cold. But if the old way, which brings condemnation, was glorious, how much more? Okay, next. Okay. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. Go back. Go back. Go back. I'm sorry. Go back. The new way, which makes us. What does the new way do? What does it do? What makes us right with God? What makes us right with God? You're reading. You're reading it. Then what does the new way do? What does it do? What does the new way do? Next Sunday, we're going to have communion. And when we have communion, when we have communion, when Jesus is drinking the cup, he, he tells his disciples and those that were in the room, this is the covenant. This is the new covenant in my blood. Jesus is announcing the new way, the fulfillment of the new way. Now, verse 10 says that in fact that the first glory was not glorious at all compared with the overwhelming glory of the new way. Can't compare that one to the new way. Go to verse 11. So if the old way, which has been replaced, what happened? This blows me away with many, 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 many churches still following the old way. Jesus is like, ay, 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 I'm giving you a new way. Way. So if the old way which has been replaced was glorious, how much more glorious is the new Man, get excited about that. Forever. How long does this new way last? Forever. When does it expire? Never. How long does it last? Forever. Alexis, when does it expire? Never. It's eternal. Tell somebody it's eternal. Tell somebody your freedom is eternal. Your freedom is eternal. See, the death and the resurrection of Jesus didn't happen to give you temporary or progressive solutions. It, it, Jesus dies on the cross. He resurrects to give you eternal and permanent glory for all of the days of your life, even into eternity. Where does it begin? Where does it begin? Here. Now. This is why I can come to church on a Sunday and I'm free. I'm free to worship. I'm free to praise. I could be at the quinceanera with my brothers and my sisters and I'm celebrating, but I'm free. Everywhere I go, I'm just celebrating this freedom. Freedom everywhere I go. When it's just my wife and myself by ourselves without no kids, without no grandkids, we celebrate the freedom. 
It's, it's freedom. When my wife is not around me and I'm by myself, I can celebrate freedom everywhere I go. What do we get by way of his freedom? My heart, my heart, my heart, my heart, my heart breaks at the scenes of people who claim to be Christians, but they put burdens, they put restrictions, they put limitations on the very people that Jesus freed. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't wear this. You cannot wear that. (laughs) Your hair has to be this way. No earrings. Yes, earrings. No bracelets. Yes, bracelets. No tattoos. Yes, tattoos. No, yes, no, yes, no, yes. You can eat this. Don't eat that. Do this. Don't do that. No, no, no. Yes, yes, yes. What do we get by way of his freedom? Somebody say confidence. 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 Now, let's go to verse 12 as we continue to read this. Since this new way gives us such confidence. Now, don't mistake in boldness with arrogance. Angelo, don't. Don't be arrogant. Be bold. Now, right there, that guy, he takes his freedom to a whole nother level. Y'all want to see some freedom? Follow Angelo. Well, that boy shared some freedom with me. I'll never forget Cancun. Thirteen. Listen to this. Verse thirteen. We are not like we're not like Moses who put a veil over his face so the people of Israel would not see the glory, even though it was our destined to fade away. Again, there's another one. Yes, fourteen. But the people's minds were what? Hardened. What was hardened? What was hardened? And and to this day, whenever the holy covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds so that they cannot understand the truth. You know, when you visit Israel, and, and, and if you ever get to visit Israel, it's a wonderful experience. But our, our Jewish brothers and sisters hold on to these traditions. And so every time they're reading the scrolls, they put a veil to read the scrolls. And God is in heaven, that's not what this, this was about. It was not about a literal veil, it was about your mind, your understanding. Open up your mind. Open up your mind. Tell the person next to you, open up your mind. And this veil can be... Now, stop. 
the veil of the mind, the veil of the mind. Okay, Paul is writing to his church, and he says that the veil of the mind can be removed. Stop. There's no other way of removing it. There's no other way of doing it. There's only one way of doing it. Only one way of doing it. Only by only by only by only by in Christ. Did you get that? Are you sure? Are you sure? All right. Even today when they read Moses' writings their hearts are covered with that veil. They don't understand. Are you getting that? I want you to take that in. I want you to take that in. I don't know what you've been taught. I don't know what you've learned. I'm not here. I'm not here to deprogram you. That's not what I'm doing. You're not being brainwashed, which I hope part of what it is a kind of a brainwash. Um, but, but this is why I want you to read for yourself. When you leave here, I want you to go home and read those scriptures and say, Holy Spirit, I need this veil removed so that I can understand what I'm reading. Paul then takes it a step further in what that veil over their head represented. He said that the veil was an indication of what the posture of their heart was. That veil represented the heart covered, not allowing anything else to come in, especially, especially the truth. Who's the truth? Who's the truth? Who's the truth? Jesus said that the son who the son sets free is free indeed. Jesus said that. Good. Four people get that. Okay. The people of Israel didn't have a follow the law issue. They followed the, they followed the law very well. But what they had was a what is the law for in my heart issue. They followed the law. They just didn't know what the law in their heart was for. See, your actions and your intentions can be poles apart from what God's will and God's heart is. And this is what many churches are full with today. Many people that will follow, they, they can follow. They can follow the rules. They can follow the regulations. They can follow, follow, follow. But their heart's far away. This is why there are, our very own children are waiting, waiting to be 18 and be an adult so that they can leave you because of the craziness of your mind. Man, when you bring freedom into your home, you know, my, my wife and I were contemplating the other day that we have never had, we've never had a television in our living room, ever. We've never had a television in our living room, ever. Our kids can tell you, we sat around a table to have dinner, and what did we do? Talked. I talked to my children, my children talked to me, I talked to my wife, my wife talked to us. We talked. We had conversation. I knew their friends. I knew their relationships. I knew their teachers. We knew their problems. We knew everything that was happening. Where's Alexis? Alexis is right there. Alexis had about 17 to 20 different boyfriends. 
horrible. I don't know where she got there from. Not, that's not true. But I remember sitting down with my daughter and I would help her. Listen, I would help my daughter put the entries into her diary. I'm like, it's supposed to be personal. She goes, and today he looked at me. I had to sit there and kind of like, oh my God, it's personal. Who was looking at you? I can't tell you that. It's a secret. But we're writing it together. But my, my, my point is, my point, my point is, my point is that my life was not about the laws of what the Bible structured, but about what the Bible and its ways did in my heart to bring into my home so that my home could be a home that lived in freedom in every aspect, every aspect. My children can tell you, and you have heard because it is the testimony of my life, that for 12 years, they had a father who was, who was horrible. He was a horrible man. My wife had a husband who was a horrible husband. There was abuse in our home, domestic abuse for 12 years. But when Jesus comes into my life, when Jesus comes into the life of a man, man gains a freedom that cannot be achieved by any other way. So my home is free. My marriage is free. My children live free. My grandchildren live free. I get to see all of the eternal benefits. I get to see them now. Beautiful thing. And I want to encourage you that this freedom is also for you. It's not only for a pastor or the pastor. It's for all of us. So your actions and your intentions have to be together. According to God's will, according to God's heart, the world is full of people and churches that are following all of the scriptures in the Bible while at the same time grieving the Holy Spirit with their intentions and the posture of their heart. Their heart is doing things that grieve the Holy Spirit. But they follow everything that's in the Bible because I'm biblical. I'm biblical. Or in Spanish, yo soy biblical. I, told, I was telling my wife this morning how frustrated I at, at my tender age of you know what it is <laughs> so frustrated with the years that I remember growing up in my father's church so frustrated with such a focus on do this do that don't do this don't do that don't do this don't do that. I never got this freedom I wish I had received it early. So I celebrate with my sons, my sons, my daughter, my son-in-laws, my daughter-in-laws. When I, when I look at my kids in this new freedom, I lift up my eyes and give glory to God. Because I understand the sacrifice, the bloodshed of Jesus Christ on that cross. All of that was to provide me with a freedom where I have no shackles, no chains, all of the frets just come right off. Listen to what Jesus said. 
He tells this story. Jesus tells this story, and I want you to pay close attention. Pay close attention. Patty, stop distracting the minister. Listen to this story. <laughs> Listen to this story. Jesus shares the story, right? And so if Jesus shares the story, who is Jesus? The truth. Who's Jesus? So the truth is speaking. When the truth speaks, then we ought to listen. Who, who else is Jesus? Well, Jesus is also the word made flesh. The word, the walking, Jesus is the walking Bible on earth. What you're reading today, Jesus was on earth, alive, walking. So when you read the Bible, you read the words, but you have to go see the life of Jesus. Are you, are you, you can't separate the two. And I say this to our husbands, husbands, this is why all that we are, we find the model in Jesus. We read the words in the Bible, but we find our model in Jesus. Are you hearing that? Okay. That was just for the husbands, not for the wives. You do whatever you want. No, don't do that. But listen to the story. And, and never forget the story. This is Jesus sharing his story out of uh, Luke chapter 18, verse 19 through 14. Then Jesus told a story. What did Jesus do? He told a story. So I'm going to tell a story. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm just going to read the story. But this is Jesus telling the story. He says, To some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Who's the audience? Who is the audience that Jesus is telling the story to? To who? To some who had great confidence in their own righteousness. And they did what? You, you guys know people like that? Ugh. Ugh, you're beneath me. Ugh. So Jesus tells a story. And I don't want you to ever forget the story. Go ahead. Next. Two men. How many men? Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee. Stop. The Pharisee was, the Pharisee were the, they were the, the example. They were the fulfillment of the entire law because they were the teachers of law. They, they taught it. They enforced it. It was the Pharisees. They were the ones. They were the ones that you could look to to say, that's the seal of perfection in this walk of the law. So the first one was a, a, Pharisee. a Pharisee. You got it? And then the other was a despised. Not just a tax collector, but he was And the reason he was a despised tax collector was because uh, a tax collector was looked at as a betrayer. He was a traitor. He was, he was betraying his people and working for the Roman Empire to oppress the people to gain taxation. So they were despised. 
Are you following the protagonists? The two characters? Where did they go? Where did they go? They went to the temple to do what? To do what? Next. The Pharisee stood by himself and he prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not a sinner like everyone else. For I don't cheat. I don't sin. I don't commit adultery. I am certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even to lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Next. Instead, just beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. Then Jesus says, I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, Return home. By who? How do you pray? How do you walk? How do you live? Christianity is not a faith where the followers, they follow aimlessly with no rhyme or reason. We don't follow a, a, a deity in fear of wrath and condemnation and judgment. I sat down with the, with the teens, your, your teens. I sat with them for eight weeks trying to understand what they understood about God. And over and over, over and over, they assimilated, or I'm sorry, they, it was synonymous. God was synonymous with death, wrath, Condemnation and anger. Is is that? I'm sorry, I can't see because of the lights. Is Javen? Javen? Jaden. Jaden. Stand up. I saw you dancing yesterday with your. I saw you, so be free now. But I remember talking to this young man and. And, and I remember when we were speaking about the blood of Jesus. And, and when I was talking to this young man about, could you ever do anything to separate you from who your father is to you in relation? Like, I don't know. Is there anything that you can do? Like, I don't, I don't think so. And, and over and over, I put him up against a stone 
asking him hard questions. But what could separate? What could you ever do? I don't know. To the day you die, you are Uman. Why? Because of what? Because of what? Come on, boy. Because <laughs> I am. Because of the blood of his daddy. He can never be anything else other than Uman. And we forget that because, of, you can have a seat, because of the blood of Jesus, you can never, ever not be a child of God. Because of the blood of Jesus. So I'm wrapping this up. We don't even serve our God as a demand. All that we do is out of love reciprocity. Because he loves, we love. Because he loves, we love. All that we do in pursuit of our Heavenly Father is because he first loved us. When did this happen exactly? Romans chapter 5 verse 8. Some of you, you know, we read this over and over and, and you don't believe this so you don't know how to walk free. God showed his 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 great love for us by how did he love you? How did he love you? How did he love you? He showed us his love by sending, sending Christ. What did Christ do? To die for us. When? When you were good? When you got your life together? When you were perfect? When everything was speaking, speaking clean? When? When did he die for you? Do you know that there are people today that are not believers, but even those people, he loves them. He loves them. Why? Because that same love for you is the very same love for them. So how dare you look over your shoulder like the very Pharisee in the temple? Continue. And since we have been Made right in God's sight. How? How? By your giving. God, by your giving. By your prayers. By your fasting. Your shouting. Your stomping and your speaking tongues. And all now listen, over and over, you were made right in God's whose sight? See, many of us have a problem, and, and the problem that we have, and this is for those that are watching us online and, and those that are going to be listening to this podcast, many of us are worried about how we look in the sight of the pastor or in the sight of the church. You know, I remember talking to my wife, Becky, and, and my wife, Becky, talked about, you know, her childhood life, and, and she said, I grew up with a man that everyone in the community loved him. 
because he was a good person in the eyes of the community or the people around. But when we went home, we lived a living hell. And, and see, those words reminded me of my life because I was going to church. I was the musician in church. They don't want me playing anymore because they fired me. I put, that's my keyboard there. It's always empty. I'm not allowed to play anymore because I'm old, and so they don't want me there. But I used to play. I used to play in church. I used to sing in church. and I used to be the worship leader at the church. But at home, I was giving my wife and my children living hell. So what was that? Fake. It was a counterfeit. Not real. So when we read these scriptures, go back. And since we have been made right in the sight of blood, uh, sorry, by the blood of Christ, we, uh, he will certainly save us from what? From who? God does that. Next. For since I were with God has been what? By the death of his son. When? While we were still his enemies. We will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So then what happens? What happens? What happens? What happens? Come on, what happens? What happens? What happens? What happens? Now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Man. Amen. Amen. Look at the freedom in my granddaughter. Amen. She's the one that looks most like Lolo. Something supernatural happens to a person when they turn their hearts to the Lord. Listen, when you say, Jesus, come into my life, something supernatural happens into your heart. Paul said, and it describes it as a veil being removed from your very spiritual eyes, allowing you to have a fresh new revelation in your heart and in your mind. Coming, coming to the Lord is about new perspective. Somebody say new perspective. New perspective. Yes, get out of here. Fuera. Coming to the Lord is about this new perspective, but it happens from the inside out because now you have a new source that guides you into all truth. It's no longer the old covenant, but it's the new way. Verse, let's read uh, verse 16. We're still in Corinthians, but whenever someone turns to the Lord, this is what happens. The veil is what's the veil done? Taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit. What's the Lord? Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, wherever, 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 wherever. So all of us who have had the veil removed, has anybody here been have that veil removed? Anyone? Anyone? 
can see and do what now? What do we do? What do we do? Everywhere you go, there's glory. Everywhere you go, there's glory. Everywhere you go, there's glory. There's glory. Everywhere you go, there's glory. It could be in the, it could be in the depth of Hades, of hell. And wherever you go, there is glory. Why? Because you're reflecting what? God's glory in you, through you. That's good. That's good news. That's good news. Is that it? Oh, and the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more. Uh, Ingrid, where are you going? No, no. Ingrid, security. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like who? The pastor. The pastor's wife. The pastor's kids. The apostle. I'll go to these churches and everybody just looks like the pastor. Dress like the pastor. Walking like the pastor. Speaking like the pastor. Thinking like the... Hey, I told you, I don't want you looking like me. I want you looking like Jesus. Look like Jesus. Look, look, look like Jesus. Good, one person. Because he makes us to be more and more like him. See, when Becky and I were going through the, 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 the journey that we were going through in our marriage, I was looking like myself. And, and so I was reflecting myself. And that self was ugly in my home. And so my wife said, I need a divorce. I got to get out of this marriage. This marriage is hell. In my panic, because I loved my wife, I just didn't know how to love my wife. And I loved my family. I just didn't know how to love my family. I had to turn to the only thing I knew. And, and I had to turn to, to God. And, and I asked God, God, save my, save my marriage. And God said, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save your marriage, but I'm gonna, I, I need to start with you. See, when he saved me and I, and I surrendered and I started to learn who Jesus is in my life, then more and more, more and more, his spirit in my life starts to make me more and more like who? So when Becky now walks into the house, after a three-year separation, how many years? Three. How many years? Three. three years separated. I don't know who's listening to this, but don't lose hope in your marriage. Don't lose hope in those relationships. Don't lose hope. But I tell you, start today by giving your life to Christ. Amen. See, when I, when, I, when I turn my life over to Christ, now Becky receives a new man. It's a new man in the house. New man. I walk different. My conduct is different. My attitude is different. The spirit that fills the home is different. Becky is like, que, que? look at this. I like this. I like very much. I want some more. I want more of that. And I am here to testify that we can now say that we're going on 34 years of marriage. 34 years. And the happiest days of our marriage, we're still experiencing them every day. Every day are the happiest days. Every day. Every day. In fact, I had to tell her this morning, hey, honey. 
I noticed something weird in our house. She was like, what? Our house, we don't have pictures of our kids. Everywhere you look is a picture of my wife and myself. She's like, I don't care about those kids. I, I, I'm like, yeah, baby, but you know, they're part of the fam. But you're like, nope, this is us. No, nah, I'm not saying. But, but, but we, enjoy, we enjoy, we genuinely enjoy our company. We enjoy our presence with each other. Because when I see Becky, I see Jesus. When Jesus sees me, she sees Jesus. She doesn't see a, a, a failed man. She, says, she sees a restored man Amen. through Jesus. Amen. See, living truly free means that you now follow your God and your full knowledge of what he did for you versus what you can do to appease him. Living free means that I don't follow scriptures and regulations because they earn me anything. But because I follow scriptures, I follow scriptures, there's, there is now an external evidence of what is happening internally by way of the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Being free means that I can boldly proclaim. How do I proclaim? Boldly, without a shadow of a doubt, that I am a child of the Most High God in my highs and yes, even in my lows. Because I haven't been perfect. I've messed up. Being free means that my life as I live it is a daily response in my worship and my praise and adoration for what Jesus did for me every morning. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you everywhere I go. Living free means that nothing that God requires of me ever feels oppressive. Anything that God requires of me never feels burdensome. It never feels forced. All that I do, I do as a response to his love for me. Living free means that I now have a supernatural confidence that empowers me to be bold, not arrogant, but knowing that in my highs and in my lows, I can beat my chest in the presence of my heavenly father like that tax collector. And instead of rejection, condemnation, judgment, and wrath, I'll always be received with his unending love as his child. That is the freedom for me. That is the freedom for you. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. If you would like to find information about who we are or how to donate so that we can keep doing what we're doing, please check us out at www.scarletnotes.org. See you next time.